I can already tell this episode's gonna be f***ed up. Anyways, hello RP people and welcome to Roleplaying as Smart People, the podcast where we pretend to know what we're talking about when it comes to all things tabletop. My name is Santa and thanks for tuning in again. Joining me as always, we have Scott W and we have Do- our own, very own Donatello, Mr. Finder. Say hello guys. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry. If you're wondering what, what what's up, we're literally just looking at unicorn mugs, and there are some very hilarious ones. Bro, there. I'm buying that one that's vomiting a, a rainbow. <laughs> I know it's, it's, cool. it's on. Yeah, it's on. Uh, it's on Pinterest. Uh, oh, I don't know where you can buy it, but I will buy it too. We're I not sponsored. I'm gonna get it for my daughter. Three <laughs> daughters. What? Well, so you, we'll, yes. no, we can all have one, right? Because. Yeah, I took a picture. I didn't. I took a picture. We're already on a tangent. I took a picture with my daughter. Uh, she came for a visit at one point, and I took a selfie with her and, uh, you know, put it on social media like, you know, not boomer dads do. And everyone I know is like, is your daughter little? She had a beanie on. I was like, is your daughter's beanie say fuck off on the tag? <laughs> I was like, yes. Apple does not fall from the tree at all. <laughs> Oh, good. That's actually See, pretty good. Yeah, it's my kiddo. <laughs> but anyways, on today's episode, wow, wow! I think Whatever. this was the quickest tangent we've ever had. Uh, minute, not even a minute. Sorry, in. Was just, also, that, oh no, that cup is, that cup is amazing. <laughs> yeah, although for you guys who may have not noticed the difference, we actually haven't talked in like two, maybe three weeks, just due yeah. to scheduling conflicts. So yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be an episode today, guys. Buckle in. But on today's episode, we're actually going to be tus- discussing how to properly create a campaign, or more, spe- blah, 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 blah. more specifically, the Hickman Revolution. Um, yeah. Oh. Um, now, to be honest, I don't know too much about the Hickman Revolution. Uh, so before we get started, why don't we talk about who pretty much wrote it? Tracy Hickman. So who is he, guys? He's a man. He's a legend. <laughs> Man, a legend. I mean, he is famous in the uh, Dungeon Dragon circle. When uh, Finder, what's well, uh, let's do this, Santa. Well, how do you know Trace Hickman's name besides that? You know, this this thing right here. Do you know his uh, name at all? I actually do not know his name at all. I'm not oh, okay. Lie. Oh no, that's good. That's good. You didn't do any research like you normally do. Um, to be honest, I kind of when I heard about this one, I was like you know what, this is interesting, but these were one of these ones where I kind of like the idea of learning it through you guys opposed to having, like, to researching it myself, so. Because we're two completely non-biased sources. Right, yeah. We could have just made this shit up. You never know until this this, this podcast episode. All right. (laughs) So, Finder, what do you, when's your, what what is your first memory of knowledge of Tracy Hickman? Uh, Dragonlance. There you go. Yeah, Dragonlance setting. Yep. Well, no, the Dragonlance novels, uh, which got oh, okay. me, which got me into the Dragonlance modules. But I actually also, after mm-hmm. I'd read like Dragons of Autumn Twilight, mm-hmm. I knew Tracy Hickman's brother because uh, he was living in my hometown, oh. and Tracy Hickman came to visit, and that's why I got to hang out with Tracy Hickman for a while. Oh, that's cool. Do you get anything autographed? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, my <sighs> my collection of Dragons of Autumn Twilight, Dragonlance, no. and uh, Winter Night. Oh, that's cool as shit. I'm not gonna lie to you. Damn, awesome. I might, I might drive up from Tennessee to Kentucky. 
<laughs> well, and, and I guess I still have them because I think I gave them to my son as a Ooh. gift because he really fell in love with Dragonlance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was a Dragonlance nerd from the word yeah. go. And then for me, I knew Hickman from uh, I-6, which is the, the original Ravenloft module. Probably the greatest module and also the module which is the impetus for the whole topic we're going to talk about. Actually, uh, believe it or not, I believe uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, Desert of Desolation was which was actually three modules because it was uh something feral right ah oh, crap what was it? yeah uh, the the i series what was was the done was the was the pharaoh thing uh there was I a was yeah the yeah the pharaohs and i series as well okay because uh, yep. from what i heard from what i've uh, read is that he had actually written that manifesto because the pharaoh series was originally supposed to be written under a different label it wasn't supposed to be tsr he was gonna write it under his own label um and then tsr wanted it but and so that that introduction piece got ripped out so that that may yeah. predate strad i believe uh yeah it, it, it well numerical order yeah i'm not actually i don't really know about publishing well publishing order too but I like actual written word order you know what i'm saying like i don't yeah. know straw was sitting around for a while but yeah no fair enough because yeah the, the 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 entire desert desolation series also is very much in keeping with this and then um as we talk about the topic people will realize that it, it changed gaming forever for better or for worse i say better i say better. i also say better but we'll find out <laughs> i am neutral on this i'm gonna and I'm going to play an objective. Um, so now that we have a little idea of the works of Tracy Hickman, you actually, in order to pretty much get this episode going, you mm-hmm. sent me four quotes that he did. And these are the following quote, pretty much word for word quotes. One, a player objective, a player objective more worthwhile than simply pillaging and killing. Two, an intriguing story that is intricately woven into the play itself. Three, dungeons with some form of architectural sense. Wow, I can't really <laughs> talk today for some reason. Um, and four, an attainable and honorable and within one or two mm-hmm. sessions playing time. Those, according to Tracy Hickman, are the core aspects of a good campaign. Is there... Is oh, that yeah. assumption correct? Yeah. That's that's, that's yeah. verbatim. Yeah. All right. That well, that's good. No, no, it's, like yeah, I said, it's I'm good. coming at this kind of. So blocking. does that sound like I don't know yeah. modern gaming to you? <laughs> it does sound quite a bit like modern gaming. Although I've definitely been in, I think, uh, number three, the dungeons with some form mm-hmm. of architectural sense may have been lost. Yeah, on a that's lot. a nitpicky one of mine too. I've always wondered yeah. why there's 82 doors yeah. that are I, locked in a dungeon. <laughs> How did the dragon get into that room? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I, I get mega dungeons are super f- fun for some people. I've never enjoyed it. Like, you guys have played, and any dungeon I throw you guys into, there's always, hopefully, I conveyed there's a sense of purpose and pattern of why every room and door and object is in the dungeon. Because um, mm-hmm. you know it's 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 real hard work to build shit. If this is real life, and you're using <laughs> magic, you know you, you got to think about say Dungeon Dragons magic. It's not like you're just casting spells willy nilly. You got to rest. You got to use them. Um, yeah. If you're looking at the pay charts for hiring spellcasters, it's 
phenomenal in the price of gold in order to get someone to cast certain level spells. And so, yeah, you wouldn't just waste the shit on, like you said, 85 doors and just, you know, yeah, you'd put false walls <laughs> and false starts on all the other fun things, but as long as it makes sense and would be there to deter or mislead, right. um, I think it works better. Can I ask this for both of you? There's four, well, four points are, do you consider all of, do you both consider all of those true or aren't do any of those ring is false, but don't say why. I'm just curious. Um, I think one of them is, could be a little, okay. I bet I know which one, but I won't ask. I, yeah, and I'll kind of leave it up to that. What about um, you, Fonda? I personally like all of them. There's nothing that necessarily rings false to me. Um, I'm, I'm not sure I fully understand where There's Scott's one. going with the question, but uh, so I, I reserve the right to change my answer. No, that's fine. So there are people who disagree <laughs> with all of these. There are people who disagree with some of these, and um, I believe that the one that I'm guessing that Santa has a l- is a little iffy on is the one that most people and not you santa but the most people who disagree with that one the most also misunderstand they, they get there i think a lot of people get locked into a myopic vision and they don't get yeah and, and they don't understand yeah. what, could, what you what that could happen and i think i i think <laughs> you know and i know which one we're talking mm-hmm. about not to just no no, no we're, we're gonna, gonna be running around we're gonna get to them right so <laughs> yeah and that's and I wish I could say that the statement is true, of course, but with right? A and that's, that's that's the thing. It's yeah. yeah. And I, I'm I'm like I'm like finder. It's they're they're all very true. And but yes, that one in particular, I think people were too myopically focused and they don't understand the intent and the possibility behind it. Yeah, sounds good. So, starting with the first one then. Uh, a player objective more worthwhile than simply pillaging and killing. So what it's, it's, it's honestly pretty self-explanatory, but what are some of the reasons why you wouldn't just want to have an objective? That's all about pillaging and killing. So let's, let's take uh, let's break that down a minute. Right. I mean that, that whole thing is yeah. the end of murder. Hobo, <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and why would you want that? Well, if, if you're, if the games are teaching anything, is it good to teach a bunch of people? Hey, it's good to go kill without consequence, right? Stuff. Yeah. yeah, without consequence. Yeah. I mean, because literally, who can? Nobody can kill the, the players now. Back in the day, OSR, yeah, well, a easier but that's what the point of alignment. Alignment is in the or game, and people are like, oh, it's to control your character. No, alignment is in the game to ensure you play heroes. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Although they did put an, a, a lawfully sure in, in later in later editions, everyone. right? First edition, but it still yeah. describes how those characters work. And there was only real one limitation in yeah. in AD and D that was a paladin who would simply could not operate with with evil party members. Yeah. But other than that, you know, they had a lot of write ups. There was a lot of discussion. Dragon Magazine clarified a lot of shit. Like True Neutral gets a bad rap, but it's because people misunderstand it. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. No, and. and- even like, because it is part of it is definitely the alignment. Like most people, like I think when you hear the evil part, a lot of people are just like, "Oh, you can't play an evil can- character in a good campaign," and I don't fully agree with that. I think there is some 
nuance to it like chaotic evil yeah okay people are that that one's just like the psychopath who doesn't give a shit but a lawful evil character is not necessarily someone who's just going to go around murdering people it's just someone who's well uh, a lawful evil character shouldn't because right. they're still lawful they laws out of fear yeah, exactly. normally or, or whatever the net gain is yeah. yeah like yeah like you could consider in real life, even like the Spanish Inquisition, you can kind of consider them a lawful evil because they're doing I mean, really well, bad things. So, yeah, we can't we can't do this about alignment. Let's just put let's put, let's put it yeah, let's put okay. a pin <laughs> in the topic title Aztec Paladins, and we'll come back to this. Sounds good. Um, but I understand what you're saying, and so I wrote since it's already out in the wild, and I, I've used it quite a bit in campaigns, and so the whole thing about all that too is and it'd be part of that topic is like there's a way of doing it and again i think it's uh people get mopily focused in the alignments and they don't realize like oh there's examples in the real world we can use where every alignment is represented into a single organization um very easily but yeah, yeah the murder hobo i just and even back in the day I, sorry that's we I, I cut finder off on that um but yeah back in the day it was a lot easier because it was mostly like you look at b2 right probably the I don't know. I would say B2 is probably that B2 or B11 is that home, the, the high watermark of open world. I mean, Isle of Dread X1 is also sort of like that. That's more of a hex crawl, but yeah, B2, you got the keep, you got some personalities in the keep. There's a little bit of description about them, but not really. I mean, the module itself is real thin. Then you got the dungeons to go to. You've got a couple of spots out in the wilderness. And so you could murder hobo by go, just going to the dungeon, killing, coming back to rest and going back and forth. But that is there was still, you were pushed in a direction to do it and you still had cause to do it. And there were things in the dungeons and the caves of chaos that were there to help you, like some of the altar rooms. Uh, and then the different uh, folks that you would encounter in there weren't all a hundred percent, you know, chaotic. And I think it was there to challenge people, but yeah, I don't know, man, I've never enjoyed the idea of just, I walk into the town, you know, the dude looks at me. Okay, cool. I stab him. And there's no consequence for that. It's just, it's fucking stupid. So dumb. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Like now, that being said, I will say that number one can be broken occasionally. In that, it, there may be uh, like some of my favorite Deadlands games were sure, outlaws, sure, which which was basically nothing more than a bunch of cowboys right, so, but murder hobos. Use the word. Um, but, but we had an objective. I mean, we wanted to. Yeah, but and you use the word stuff. outlaw, which indicates that there were consequences for your actions, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you guys didn't just ride through yeah. town, shoot everybody up, and then take all the gold and ride off to the next town and shoot everyone up and all that jazz, right? No, we typically yeah. lured we them know, out of the town. You know what I'm saying? Chop them up and their stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think number one is pretty straightforward. <laughs> Not even. Yeah. Some of the earlier I, dungeons I don't even think were just simply murder hobo. I think that was the. I think that was an easy uh, an easy way of understanding the game initially, especially like uh, yeah. the Molde red box set, right? It had that cool little keep in there and whatnot. And it was real straightforward. There's no story. You just go to this keep and there's goblins. You're going to stab them all to death and then uh, take all the shit. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes it easy for the DM as well. Because, I mean, the DM yeah. doesn't have to do anything other than keep throwing yeah. monsters. Yeah. And then eventually I think movies and books are always have always guided us you know, into the story side of things and to making the, yeah. uh, you know, e- evocative uh, NPCs and places to, to travel and visit. So, yeah. I don't know. What about you, Santa? Anything wrong with number one or? 
Uh, no, number one, I agree with. Like, I think that you can have something that is simply pillaging and killing, but overall, are you going to keep a party with that? No, you can have that as like a little, like for instance, like pillaging and killing. Um, me and uh, Finder are in mm-hmm. a cyberpunk red game, right? And we kind of had one. It had a little bit of an objective, but in reality, all we were doing was on the first little mission was killing these guys in order to sure, learn yeah. the mechanics of combat. And in those kind of respects where it's like, is there really a major story or anything to it? No, not really. And in those cases where it's just simply to learn the rules, I think that's, I yeah. don't think there's, yeah, exactly. And that's usually a one-off. And I think I, I introduce almost every new game to people with something like that. Um, but we're talking yeah. about campaign. Yeah. I'm, yeah. And even in that respect, the objective isn't actually right. just to pillage. Yeah, exactly. And kill. I'm sure there's some out there the like, game. oh, so. all we do is pillage and kill. You're stupid. They're like, okay, awesome. I'm sure <laughs> you totally roll all 18s for your characters as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah 100%. Well, and thank you for letting me know. <laughs> yeah, why you're bullshitting. Why are you bullshitting? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, number one, no objections to it. So number two, mm. an intriguing story that is intricately woven into the play itself. All right now we're getting spicier. Yeah, that one I actually find really interesting, and I think some people may <laughs> not fully and may not really realize what it's actually saying, or maybe I'm just well, interpreting have your interpretation. wrong myself. <laughs> so oh, yeah, I was going to say, what do you find interesting about? Okay, so because it puts it into into the form of like a play or. I kind of thought of it as not saying like play, like play as in like playing. I looked at it as like the play, the whole entire Mm -hmm. scenario that's going on and an intriguing story that is intricately woven into the play itself. So I thought the way I was looking at it is, is kind of like underlying stories within the story. Possibilities. That's the way. Yeah. Like different possibilities, but also not just like, it's not just like, Oh, this is all that's going on. Like the big bad guy there, but no, there's, there's all these little offshoots within the story of itself, like the story within the story. That's the way I kind of saw it. But I, I'm now I'm starting to think that I might be wrong on that, but that's the way I kind of read it. Oh, I mean, it's your interpretation finder. Yeah. No, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, this was really about introducing story Mm -hmm. into the game itself. Um, a lot of the earlier modules didn't necessarily have a storyline. They were just things to do. Um, And so this here, I mean, even think about like, uh, oh, what was it? Tomb of Annihilation? What was the original? Oh, uh, uh, Jesus Christ. Um, Oh my God. It's the S1 or S4. Um, (laughs) Do I can't think of this. Uh, a Serac the Lich is there. The Demi Lich is in there. Tomb of Horrors. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. God Thank you. Man. Yes. Uh, Tomb of Horrors. I mean, that there was nothing more than a a test your players. Uh, your characters right. find the entrance in. You walk through this. However, and you kill a lich. Um, can I object? There's no story to it. Every old module sure, actually had a background and a story leading into why your characters were arriving at the point of the adventure insertion. 
But that's where it true ended. statement. <laughs> that's where the story ended. Yeah. I mean, it's like here's here's your motivation yeah. for getting to this town, and now here's a random thing that happens. Um, and granted, later on they started saying things. Work this into yeah. your overall campaign, but that's assuming that the DM has an overall campaign, an overarching yeah, storyline yeah. that they're telling, and that you're just dropping in these little uh, palate cleansers, so to speak, to kind of fill your, your yeah, yeah. game time. I built a whole campaign when I was in high school on so, just jumping from module to module and traveling and meeting NPCs and shit. But the modules would be the, you know, the next point yeah. where they all were interlinked together. It takes a little bit of work making notes and shit, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm doing right nice. now with my Coriolis game is I, I've got, because I don't have a lot of time to come up yeah. with my own stuff anymore. And I've got other projects that I'm working on creatively. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to take somebody else's crap. I'm going to read through this stuff and put them in an order that I think makes somewhat sense. And I'll just keep tying them back to uh, elements that the players are familiar with and further their own personal progression along. Yeah. Um, Now I will say one thing that drives me nuts is when people start (sighs) talking about plot because they think that, Oh, well this, this uh, adventure Mm. is a plot. No, that, that adventure is a thing that happens Plot is how Correct. it affects your character. Yeah. So, as a writer, um, don't, don't confuse things that happen. Yeah. With well, it's right, and that's why he didn't say an intriguing plot that is intricately woven in, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, like again, the Moldvay text uh, in the the Moldvay red red box set with that book, that little dungeon actually has a, an intriguing story. There's a, a villager or two missing, and your party are the only ones capable of handling going to the castle, though the old keep, and seeking them out. So to me, that's an intriguing story because now you're starting to ask questions. Well, what happened? Why did they there? And those are the questions that you can be asked at the table. And granted, not everyone running a game is, you know, might be worth their salt, but you're going to have some answers, and that's just going to build more on the story of what's going on, right? You're deviating from the plot of point A to point B, right? And now you're getting into, okay, well, cool. Here's the story. Why would they take that person? And that's where you start seeing some of this shit build on, and you start building that overall story about what is happening pulling all of your characters in together and you know i think even back in the day we used to do that we used to be like okay cool you're an elf you're a dwarf you played a fighter you played a cleric uh you're the thief let's talk about what you're doing in the town you know you start building those small stories together to try to to really blend each other in but i don't know what i'm I'm gonna do a little self uh evaluation here but even like, I find it kind of interesting how for me, like maybe it was a theater kid p- part of me that, you know, th- mm-hmm. thought of the word play as sure. in like, you know, a play because it is kind of a story that's being played. But could the reason why I thought like an intriguing story intricately woven into the play itself was like that is because for me, I've always as a more modern player, like someone who got into it more recently than you guys I just automatically assume that every RPG will always have a story. So I automatically assumed it meant another story. So I don't think you're wrong. And I, I, I will still stand that even Tomb of Horrors had a story because as you went through all the rooms, you had to learn all the riddles. You were learning the history of the tomb. You learned the history of a Sararak, right? You were learning everything about mm-hmm. him and what made him tick. All the the failed objectives. Um, you went through that. The um, the the A one the A series slave put to the undercity, um, slaver stockade, uh, area of the slave lords, and then um, 
what is it beneath the beneath the slaver stockade or beneath the slaver's whatever the one where you get captured um also a story you're learning about the slave lords who they were you're learning about all their little minions and you're learning about this new creatures around there and so those old modules had the stories i just i'm thinking maybe it didn't come out as strongly as it did and i don't know why that could be i would maybe maybe it's kind of more like oh go ahead as you say to me that's more of a history lesson oh fair i mean you're just you're you're learning these things that happened um but your character isn't involved that's fair story they're they're discovered but does it affect i guess it becomes story if it's affecting how your your character now interacts with the outcomes or the possibilities present i think it is a story and it actually now that you're like you're saying those things i wonder if the creator of dark souls actually thought the same thing about that system if he i'm not too sure if he played it or not because if you look at dark souls it's the same kind of sense where you're given into this big open world and if you wanted to you could not learn a single thing about the world and play all the way through but for the people who really like lore and that thing it's filled with it every single item every every single boss and it's told through the animation it's told through uh even how the characters look it's told through what they drop every kind of thing has a story built into it and it's for you to put it together and make to understand the world that you are currently traversing through even though it's now gone to ruin all those things still have an impact in the modern day or in the modern time of that game as you're going through it. And and I think that those are what we would call story hooks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe, to answer your question, Scott, that they can draw story out because they may affect how the character views the world. They may affect how the character decides to act. But my contention is I don't know that it ever really did yeah. back in the day. Back before Hickman wrote this, I don't know that people were thinking about, oh, well, I'm going to go save these people because that's what my moral character would do. They're thinking, oh, I'm going to go save them because that's where the XP is and I can level my character and I can get gold and whatever, which isn't, I mean, that to me isn't a story driver. That's a, that's a player. I want to get my character more powerful sort of thing and going through the tomb of horrors, learning that history isn't necessarily changing my character's perceptions of the world a whole lot, at least back in the day. Nowadays, I think players are more invested in that. I think that's as a result of what Hickman wrote here, um, that players are now into this. And and they see things like Critical Role where they're telling this big story. And so I think players are being trained already to look for story in the game. But back in AD&D, I can tell you that at least the group that I played with, we rarely had a story. It was more of us running around with characters that we thought were cool and doing uh, stupid stuff, killing monsters and taking their treasure. Um, and we weren't really thinking about how is my character growing? Right, yeah. Leveling up. There was no progression. In, no, in yeah, stuff. totally. And I think that's pretty much every uh, every campaign. And just for people, I don't think we, we... I know we introduced ourselves a long time ago on one of our very, our very first episodes. So Fire and I both have started gaming, what, late 70s, early 80s? Yeah, so yep. when we talk about this stuff, we say back in the day, it's not like we're talking about our ass because we're both millennials. We're both older Gen Xers. 
<laughs> so, so we were literally there. I played, you know, DD from the beginning, and so did uh, Finder. But yeah, you're not wrong. So here's a question for both of you. Um, and and Finder, I kind of thought of this when you were talking about it may have been part of the modules. So if the intriguing story is present, but you don't respond to it, right? Does that then nullify the fact that the story was present? The intriguing story was present in the modules and intricately woven into it, but just because you didn't give a shit about it. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? <laughs> in terms of two, in terms of two, um, I, I don't know yeah. that you're wrong. Um, I, 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 I'd have to think about it a little bit. I'm not prepared <laughs> Me to either, yeah. fully yet. Uh, but, but I mean, I, I hear what you're saying and I agree. It, it's there. Uh, the intro intricately woven into it um i don't know because i I don't know how that affects things like reading desert of desolation having just recently played that and knowing that this was kind of in the forefront of heckman's mind when he was writing that i can see it a lot more because there are some very real things that the characters need to learn about the past in order to solve the present um and the to your point, that that story, and as as was pointed out earlier, <laughs> plot's not in number two. So, yeah. Oh. So I, I will I will uh, at this point in time I will agree with you that yes. I just thought about what you were talking about. I was like, damn! I said, you know what? Did we miss a lot of opportunities? You know, I mean, prob- well, probably because we were I, I also what prepubescent did. boys, right? So everything. But, but even my even yeah. watching my older brothers play, I mean. There wasn't a whole lot. I mean, now later on, they started getting into that sort of stuff uh, to where, heck, my brother has an entire history built up for his game world that spans not just fantasy, but goes oh, into shit, Blue cool. Hill. I mean, he, he integrated Blue Hill nice. into his storyline, and then that progressed oh, into wow. Traveler. Um, so it's like his entire world, and you would have characters in each of the different game systems that were somehow related to characters in That's cool. earlier time periods. Um, so it was oh, a lot of fun nice. to play with that. But, yeah, that's but, just yeah. tough. And, then, and I think this one's contentious because of what you also alluded to is I think a lot of the poo-pooing naysayers are the, uh, oh, you know, it's the critical role phenomenon or it's you want to play a story game, go play a yeah. story game, bro. And it's like, no, don't be a dipshit. Like you don't got to act like a tough guy on the internet about not wanting to have a cool, intriguing story put into what you do, because all we do is talk about it in all the chat rooms about all the cool shit going on. And, and it's never about mechanics or anything. It's about all the neat shit that happened and all that, and how you plan on using that to further your, you know, the, the story that you're going through at the, at the moment, you know, because the big thing is like story doesn't happen until after the adventure is over. And the story is what you tell. It was like, well, okay, that's, you know, fucking webster's first line of definition of what a story is yes um but yeah you you can live out a story and you can have things happen and that becomes part of what you're doing uh so i think that's where number two becomes a little contentious with uh, at least half the crowd of gaming i was maybe a third maybe a half is too generous but i don't know but i think everything we do at the table is story related uh <laughs> yeah. the, I, and i agree and, and the thing that i think people forget also is that as humans, we oh, are yeah. wired for story. <laughs> and there's there's an entire book about yeah. that as well, I know. But, but I mean, we key in on interesting stories. And to, to say that, oh, I'll take the story out of my peanut butter. What? Yeah, exactly. Like, come on. Exactly. And, and Sam's probably going, what the heck is Finder just talking about? 
No, I'm, I'm following. Reese's Peanut Butter Cup commercials. They still have those commercials. What? Yeah. Yeah, they do. They, they you still think have no, keep keep your. You think pieces oh, all of a sudden became No, no, I see what he's saying. There used to be it was the peanut butter in my chocolate was the the stick of it was it was a thing back in the eighties. Hey, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Got your peanut butter in my chocolate. You got your chocolate in my peanut butter. You know who like this? Yeah, I, I think they've <laughs> done it on the boat. Yeah, they've. I think they've done a couple of riffs on that trope. same old uh, commercial. <laughs> just kind of yeah, that same trope. Just uh, you know, a little bit different between each one. But yeah, um, and to kind of answer your question that you're talking like about, you know, if they completely disregard the story while they're playing, is there still like you know, is there still a story interwoven? And kind of yeah, because I'll like for instance, like when I when I hear like an intriguing story that is intricately woven into the play itself, you don't necessarily need just because the story isn't what the GM originally thought it would be, it doesn't mean that there's still not a story that's currently being created. So even with a bunch of murder hobos and all that, if they don't care about the main plot, well then shift it up. Like you're saying, like when, uh, finally when you talk about being outlaws and all that kind of jazz on deadlands, well, that kind of became the plot itself. And that became the story that's being, being told. Because you're, you're role, as long as the players are still role playing and not just you know going from one combat to another combat to another combat without anything in between, a story is automatically going to be woven. It's just how much the GM is willing to kind of let the reins go into their hands and just reacting to their own behavior. Exactly, but you're speaking yeah. from a modern paradigm. <laughs> When this, written, when this was written, that was not the case. <laughs> and a hundred percent true. Like I said, like I'm, I'm the young one of the group. I, for me, it's always been kind of story, 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 even before, cause I started playing before roll 20 or even, I, I even knew what, uh, or not roll 20, uh, critical role. Uh, I started playing before critical role and I just always kind of assumed there was, stories always told yeah. within the game itself yeah no well and i'll say just to something we talked about on a previous episode is mm, that's what yeah. my character would do that is never a phrase that was uttered back in the 70s or 80s now it's a phrase that's uttered in contempt for most of the time yeah i mean mostly that oh man that's a whole other thing i guess but yeah mostly that was the um, i think it was that's a misunderstood adaptation till you know like cue on the thief kind of thing right yeah, because I think as long as there's role play involved and whether they follow the clues that the GM's giving or whether the GM follows the story that the players want to play, an intriguing story can always arise for what the players want to play. Yeah, absolutely. As long as it's not just fight yeah. after fight after fight after fight. So I think, too, like you said, it, it ha that's all that it is now today to this day to the point where most people... They see that and they're like, "Well, of yeah. course. What do you mean by there's a, not a story involved?" Dungeon in Crawl game. Classics: like, The Funnel is still a plot of get your get your shithead zero levels to the end of the dungeon uh -huh. to become first level, but there's still a story behind all of it, and there's a story being built as you go along through all of that because of your, the, who you're losing, the things you're finding, the creatures you're facing, all of that. So even DCC oh, built yeah. a story. Um, it's not just a murder hobo machine with the funnel, even though people. You know, would would think it is, 
But yeah, I don't know. We were always really good about plot when I was a kid. I mean, we did do dumb shit, but yeah, we always, I don't know, like we always wanted to have character names and know the NPC names and talk to them it's like everyone else does now. Every DM knows the pain of, okay, cool. What do you guys want to do? We're going to go shopping. Okay, cool. What do you, what do you want to do? There's a general store. What's the general store's clerk's name? I don't care. <laughs> is that like, why are we doing door. this? All you want to do is buy a list of shit. Like, I don't care. You don't care. That's all internal monologue. But the reality is, is like, oh, oh yeah. Hank, 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 Hankerin Grimtooth. You know, like, oh, Grimtooth. Why does he have a Grimtooth? <laughs> oh, my fucking God. But that's already, but that's building story, right? And I think that's how we kind of did it. I don't think back in the day we really realized what we were doing. We were just thought we were murder hoboing our way through and yeah. ad libbing, which is not false. See, my my favorite thing, uh, I for any kind of like you know shop clerk or whatever. And I had a I had a friend who when I'm running a campaign did this, and it's take the Pokemon approach, where for some reason. There's like quadruplets or septuplets out there and they're all, all their last names are joy and they all became nurses. So now there's all these nurse joys and all the police officers, they all just are all the same. And it, I, I find it hilarious and it can add some fun kind of like, yeah. it's, it's a fun little trope that I think a lot of people should probably try and tackle a little bit more. Cause you could even create that into its own story arc. If you really wanted to, if the players were that right, so I mean, interested that's in that God, Yeah, that's not bad. Cause ideally like, what is the, what is the blacksmith's name? Smith. You might know it from the English word Smith. That's, that's why they have that name. You dumbass. What's their first name? Mr. Mr. Smith. Can we just move the fuck on with you buying your swords? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you could create a good like story I was thinking a story. story, bro. No, no, I don't you could create a good story within a story that would probably end up derailing the main story as the players try and figure out the story with with all the 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 shopkeepers who are all oh my god of course you would it would would do everything because they want to know like oh maybe they're maybe they're yeah maybe they're cursed anyway wow we're way off yeah yeah maybe they're doppelgangers (laughs) why they're not important because this character is not important to the story i'm gonna be honest with you (laughs) they're not even important to the plot if that helps you (laughs) well it's even like uh finder you're saying before with the magical was it the magical? Yeah, it was him. This kid with the magical spoon set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is just—it's it, like, does did that matter? Right. No, but now they're going to be people will di- latch on to the wrong details for the most yeah, entertaining aspects. See, oh, and now they built their story in an old school module. Yeah, and you the know? funny thing is, I have an entire. Uh, plot hook that's already set because they still have oh, man, the I gotta get busy with that shit. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. I know oh, people are like, why are they talking about this? Because I wanted us to do this and talk about the Hitman Revolution and go through all four steps and then have a conversation about how how this all has played out. Then let's move on to number three because I think number two we've uh... it's glue. Uh, so a dungeon with some form of architectural sense. And I, I think in this one, I think most of us can kind of agree with that. Like we all, 
it's not always followed. <laughs> not not hardly but, all in the old school. <laughs> no, and even I would say even a lot of a lot of players themselves, especially when dealing with dungeons, they don't really follow this rule. But they know it makes sense, and it, that's just it. It's like they're like, yeah. Well, do you really give a shit? Like, if the dungeon makes sense, yeah, and right, it, it depends. Uh, it depends. There, even as a kid, there were times <laughs> where like this makes no sense. Why would there be this hall that goes? <laughs> Tim, man, how would you waste it? There's like no doors. There's a dead end, and you search for secret doors, and there's no secret door or see or, or um, hidden door or any, it's like just yeah. this dead end hall. It's like did they run out of money? They right, so that's part of the story, and. I, I think it depends, and I think you can tell who this matters to by people who point out plot holes in movies. Because if you if if you're going to point out a, a stupid plot hole in a movie, your chances are you're gonna you're gonna point out this kind of plot hole or this issue in like in tabletop too. Like like Finder just said, why is there this hallway that leads to nothing, and there's absolutely nothing there? Or what I said at the beginning of this episode is. Why am I in a castle and 82 of the doors are locked? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Why would they lock this bedroom? Why would they lock this hallway, which leads to another hallway? It doesn't privacy. make sense. Well, why, is there, why is there a pit trap in the middle of the Where hallway? Where everyone has to go. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we hate our servants. Shit. So, right, the false floor. I mean, yeah, there's so many ways around it. And when they say, I think we should remind everyone that when the term dungeon is used, it doesn't mean, you know, literally the underground side of adventure. It's, it's like Finder just said. It can be a castle. It can be a grove. It can be almost, it can be any, anything. The, the, the dungeon is a ubiquitous term for your adventure site. Yeah. But, yeah. No, do you know else also picks out the dungeon makes no sense, though? Just thinking about it. Your most contentious and or pissy player. If you... Yeah. Thank you. Well, for no, you know what I'm talking about. You get the one player at the table who suddenly is just <laughs> doesn't want to have a fucking good session, and they're deciding that they're just gonna like subconsciously they're like, well, this doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. Why are they saying it that way? That's not actually how the word would be used. <laughs> you know, shit like that is like, oh my god. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like you kind of have to look at dungeons as a subjective, and like honestly, when I think of like underground dungeons. Ninety percent of the time, I think okay, they're going to be out in the wild, and they're probably right. Yeah, they just somehow collapse, and you know, cavern systems connecting it. And yeah, shit. Exactly. I mean, yeah, it's it's the craziest thing. I don't know, but I I do agree with. It. I think dungeons do yeah. need to have an architectural sense, um, just because I think that verisimilitude helps build the story and helps build. We'll work backwards. It helps build your story. It helps make things more intriguing because. Someone obviously purposefully built this thing, and even like finding some false hallways and shit that you could weave that in some way. But if a dungeon makes sense, you, you you're yeah. you're making it part of the intrigue, and when you're doing that, you're pulling people away from the murder hoboing on simply pillaging and killing, and you're moving them into giving a shit about what's happening in the world around them, in in the fantasy realm. Mm-hmm. And even even I think like traps you can. You can put in traps, but just make sure they make Yeah, sure. Sense. It's not like real castles didn't have murder holes and shit, but they were used for a purpose and they had a purpose. And they weren't and they weren't necessarily 
where people are going to be walking every single day. I mean, they were above the, you know, the portcullis area, but yeah, normally you wouldn't just pour hot oil or fire arrows <laughs> every day. Yeah, it was, they were, they were a man position. But I mean, I'm thinking more like the, sure, the yeah. traps or the, the shooting arrow traps like yeah, you see in Indiana. Exactly. Right? I mean, like, why would we do this? Yeah. Those aren't going to be places where people Yeah, now if we were building a tomb, I guess, and I was buried with all my treasure, and if we yeah. built if we as we worked inward, at some point, you know, my worker bees would be like, "Why are we putting all these traps behind us when we're building inward?" Because no one you don't, don't worry about leaving. We're <laughs> 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 fine. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Just, just keep building. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I know um, I know the mega dungeons are really popular with some people. I've never been that person. I just don't want to go through a thousand rooms and shit. Um and like uh man, what is it called? Just shit. Uh dude, I'm having like a Anyway, it's uh Gillespie's uh the Barrel Mounds. A great mega dungeon, really there's a mega dungeon underneath it. But to find that and to get to it and how it connects, you're in the barrow lands and there's these real cool micro dungeons and they, every barrow makes sense when you get into it. And so that's a really nice blend of, of play when you're in that level. And when you get to the mega dungeon, it actually does make sense. Yeah, it runs all over the place and shit in some, some, a lot of spots. But it still now makes sense once you see what's happening. You're into the story of the barrow lands. Yeah, I don't know. I think number three is pretty easy for the three. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. That, that one's honestly pretty easy. Like, I, I think there's a lot that can be done with it, but it really it's yeah. just like make it because you can sense. keep you can keep the the adventure site short and succinct, and that's what I th- I like most about architectural sense. And so <laughs> let's move on to the fourth one, which is the one, yeah, and attainable and honorable, and within yeah. one or two yeah, sessions. I guess right, time. didn't I? That's the one, a hundred percent. And I even knew that when I said that, you'd probably assume that's yeah. the one that I was going to pick, because that's the one that you could probably have the biggest. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So how do you want to start I mean? this conversation on number four? <laughs> so I kind of want to hear because I, I I did I started with the second one for what uh-huh. it means for me i kind of want to see where you're coming from first which, before i which get one my of butt. us i'll always get... uh who has i think you're the only one who hasn't actually given the first answer so, so an attainable and honorable end within one or two sessions playing time most people yeah. that i've seen discuss this think that means the campaign ends in one or two sessions that is not what that means it's what it can mean but if your your character can have an attainable and honorable end within one or two sessions and you can switch up characters or change into a retainer or something else. That's where I think people get myopically, myopically locked into our campaign can only run two sessions and then it has to be over. I That's n- not an overarching intent of, of what that sentence says. It just simply says from the campaign perspective of what you of a player can expect, meaning through you through your character's actions, would be to have those attainable and honorable ends. And that's what I usually start with of like, look, you know, we can play a bunch of sessions, which we already talked about. Most people don't play a bunch of sessions, even though everyone on Twitter disagreed and tries to lie and how they've had 80,000 sessions and shit. I'm sure some people do. I know Finder plays a lot of sessions, but we have the hard data of these online games are using servers and those servers are recording everything you do and say. You're welcome if you weren't aware of that. Uh, Discord records everything you do and say anyway. They report everything. 
upward and outward. Um, so let's help people get banned constantly for saying and writing crazy shit, even the small discord and the private discords. Um, so I, you, we have these, we have this data where we understand that. And so if you push hard enough and you have that fun and that's, this is mostly written around the idea of I six, like Ravenloft isn't really a module. Ravenloft is a campaign that you could play within one or two sessions, right? Where you defeat Strahd, you overcome yeah. a bad, big, bad, evil guy. You, you, you win the day within one or two sessions. And that's an attainable and honorable within one or two sessions of playing time. But your campaign can be interlocked, you know, uh, microcosm of, of campaigns with those, those types of, uh, of, of adventures going into it. That's how I see it. And I would agree. I, I would say that if there was any change I'd make to number four, instead of and, I would say yeah, and sure. or honorable. And, and the reason I say that is I've heard some people say, well, that implies that your character needs to survive. Yeah, I disagree. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 just, I can have a really yep. honorable end, yeah. period. And those are some of the – like my, I got really criticized at one point because I said – Supernatural, the television show Supernatural, should have ended you are with correct. season five. Mm-hmm. That was the absolute perfect ending. You had the noble sacrifice of the hero. You had the people that helped attain that. Um, that yes, they were sad, but still, that to me was the perfect ending. And I would love for my characters in any RPG to have that kind of an ending where my sacrifice really meant something even though I didn't necessarily live to but see But how would I them. ship them so, continuously? Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. But, but I mean, I, I, I think that I agree with you completely, Scott, though, that, that that does not mean your campaign is only one or two sessions. That means one leg of the campaign yeah. is one or two sessions. All right, Santa. <laughs> so... I actually, I agree with you completely on it. My only, my only was with the, but on it was, was because it doesn't itself like it, it says, you know, attainable, honorable, and within one or two sessions of playing time. And I look at, looked at that and I thought, okay, and that's for like the mission itself that you have at hand, not just so you're doing the same mission for six sessions in a row. Uh, my only but was, but you could have one that connects. All sure, and that's kind of what we're talking about. Like you look at, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. And Go ahead. I'm sorry. That's yeah. I was just saying that's, and that's the only reason why I had a but with that. And I could see how people could see that and be like, "Well, what do you mean? I had I've been playing eight sessions and we're on the same mission." I was like, "No, chances are you had multiple men like missions." that all goes towards the final big baddie. And even once you're going for that big final baddie, chances are that one itself is only going to be one Absolutely. or two sessions. Hey, dragons well. of uh, the dragon Lance series, the first three books, the only, the only books, let's just say that. Um, what was the plot of those books? If you can give a, a, a bottom line up front finder. It's been years no. since I've read them. So You'll feel free to correct me, but the overall plot of all three of those is they had the, the world was changing, the world was getting darker, and they had to find right. They had to find the platinum discs of uh, Paladine, right? And yep. yep, and because they had met characters along the way to got this. So, 
No, that, that's perfect, and it kind of leads into what we're talking about. And Santa, you, 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 when, you, when you're talking, you really hit on the head. So they had honorable and attainable. You had attainable and honorable ends in those books over and over. Mm-hmm. Uh, they overcame hobgoblins and goblins watching them watch uh, the village right in the very beginning of the book. Tasselhoff mm-hmm. was there, Flint, um, uh, Tannis, Half Elven, uh, and those were the three that were there already present. The hobgoblins, the burgermeister, and they, you know the goblins attacked. They overcame that. They had an honorable, attainable end. That could have been one session, could have been one encounter. Then they got into the. Then they got into um, Solace was the name of the town, and the, the the end of the last home. They got up there. They started finding out well, there was bad shit happening, right? And then they met uh, Gold Moon, who had the blue crystal staff that could magically heal. Because at the time in Dragonlance novels, there was no healing because the, the clerics had been removed by the gods. And uh, Riverwind, which was her, you know, her escort and not that kind of escort and her bodyguard, I guess is a better term. <laughs> so they met that they had an encounter and then they escaped. Boom. That is a one to two session arc of an attainable and honorable end of me of the, the, the plot is to get on the road to find the disc. The story is you're meeting, you know, shit's happening. Your story is getting further now when you meet the two, you know, your, your, your Goldman and your Riverwind. You're picking up Karamon and Raceland. Tika, Tika, well, because she would be Tika Majir at some point. Uh, Tika, you know, she was there to help further along with some of the like, inside information what was happening. And then you have the instance in the end where all hell breaks loose. And then, boom, now you're out in the wild and you're traveling. Now you, have, you know you have to go to the city of Zax Tassarath. And continue going from there. And so that's what I, I'm glad you said what you said, Santa, because it immediately made me think of the books and just getting back to how Hickman saw things. And, you know, you had those attainable ends and those were. And so the reason I'm bringing this up, is because those books were modules for Dungeons and Dragons, because those characters were Dungeons and Dragons characters played by Tracy Hickman and Margaret Weiss's D&D group. And so you're right. So those are all those adventures are actually shit that happened at the table. Well, and to, to, to take that even further, though, I mean, for those books, there were like 20-something yes, yeah, modules. Yeah, it was a lot of modules. It, it wasn't no. one big mega module. It was Yep, and each of one of those books. modules probably t- – I used to have them all somewhere. But, you know, and they took multiple sessions, but you were making those attainable and honorable ends within one or two sessions and then moving on to the yeah. next plot point. Fair statement? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's, like I said, I think a lot of people get real pissy about this, especially the older folks, which I don't know why. They kind of confuse it with, um, well, I don't know. Whenever we're ready to wrap this up, I, I can, well, not wrap it up, but they, they get pissy with all of this because they think Hickman, a lot of there are people who believe Hickman's revolution and all this ruined gaming. It's kind of what the, the overarching plot of this topic is. And, you, and it's funny because, like, as, as, one of the more recent gamers, well, one of the more modern gamers, I'm just going to call it. To me, all these make sense. And I'm not too sure if I'm alone on this one, but like, you know, as one of the modern gamers or because this thing, these things just seem like they've always been in play in one way or another without even having these rules told to me. I just feel like I've already seen a good chunk of these Besides number three, which tends to be forgotten. <laughs> but um, yeah, because like most missions, I kind of expected to wrap up in a session, maybe on the second session. 
like a session or two, like even hell, even playing with, uh, uh, playing not our cyberpunk game, but with that group, usually the mission that we have is done within a session or two. And usually it's just a second session because we start it. We get to the part where the mission really starts halfway through. Yep. So like all these things just seem to make sense to me. And even number three, uh, the dungeon with some form of architectural sense. I've never, they've all seemed to have made sense because usually there's an explanation to why they're there. Of course, these are more sci-fi cyberpunk style games that I've played with uh, that group. So I think you automatically assume that they have to make sense in some sort of form. And I don't know if maybe because it's only been the fantasy ones where that kind of that rule seems to be forgotten. And I don't know if that's a correlation mm-hmm. or not. I but, think it's from the old uh, the, the old days of the mega dungeons that they used to write. But like so in 1982, uh, one of my favorite modules and probably one of the best modules ever designed is uh, N1 against the cult of the reptile god. The dungeon makes sense. The story makes sense. There's this, an overarching plot and you go through it. There's a reason for you to do the research. There's reasons for you. You have options of why you're going to the town of Orlane. And then once you're there, you start having these, you know, these attainable and honorable ends of these small lines of intrigue that's going on within this town because the town is completely foobar and it's not at all what it seems. Um, so that's from 80. That's 82, right? Uh, Sinister Secret of Saltmarsh, same thing. Uh, written 81, uh, same thing. There's a, a house on a hill in a sea village. It's supposedly haunted. And when you're at the end, because everyone's at the end, you start hearing rumors. Because all the old modules also had rumor tables. And that's how you picked up on the story and what was going on. You hear little things and you could actually adventure out or even interact with those people to get those rumors going and have that. And, you know, Saltmarsh, you learn that. Uh, this dude believes he got chased. This drunk, town drunk, got chased out of the, the house by what what he describes to the players seems to be a vampire. And then you go from there, right, when you're you're getting ready to do it. So I had a lot of noise when I was picking up all these old modules that I have. I was like, let me just look through some of these. Uh, N4 was a was treasure hunt, one of the better modules ever written. Um, zero level advanced Dungeons & Dragons. You're in a shipwreck on a beach and you're going through the plot points. You have these small attainable ends and within a couple of sessions and you're moving that story forward of getting your characters off the damn island. So, I mean, I, yeah, I could just do this, but yeah, man, I just, I think all of it was present back in the day, but I don't think, I don't think we gave a shit enough in general. I know there were groups who did. So you think it was mostly just kind of like refined over time? Possibly, although I will say, just yeah. uh, while you were talking, Scott, I, I wanted to go see and when Pharaoh. Oh, yeah, was when was that written? Published and Pharaoh. Pharaoh was originally written and published by Daystar right. Origins back in 1980, and TSR wanted it, and that's when it was sold to TSR. TSR published okay. it in '82, but it was originally written in 1980 by Daystar Origins, which is where Hickman had put his originally. Uh, According yeah, yeah. to what I've heard. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, you're correct on that. Wrong, this original it. thing was in there. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So Pharaoh. Was, it was yeah. Part of and the uh, it predates. Um, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say. It, yeah. That, and that, that pre that predated Ravenloft came out in 83. So yeah. But that's what I'm saying. I, I It's always been here. I think Hickman. Because none of those modules I, I read you were made by Hickman. 
Um, there were a ton of other writers at the time. I think Hickman realized, and it may be biased that I may have just the best modules designed and the most playable modules, you know, like for Forbidden City, yeah. outstanding module for adventure and of so many sessions and that you can go through. But I think Hickman realized what made the best of the best and probably pulled out these these bullet points of what really makes what really makes the game that that they played and we played and everyone else was playing at the time what is really those those interlocutors uh found in all these modules even though the people weren't really using them um like i'm i'm guessing hickman's group when they ran through some of these old school modules they probably hit on every goddamn story point and plot beat that was possible right uh, when they went through, uh, maybe because of his jamming skills. Uh, but yeah, yeah, man, I don't know. But you, you, you asked if, if we think it was, if gaming's been refined to this. I absolutely think that this helped. Re- it did cause a revolution and refine how how we approach gaming in general. Hmm. Well, and and the guy that does DM Lair, uh, the YouTube channel DM Lair, uh, I thought he made an interesting point, which was this was the kind of the turning point that took D&D out Absolutely. of its gaming origins and into what we now refer Absolutely. to as role-playing games. So it, this is where role-playing really started. Yeah, like it, it's kind of crazy to think of like all, all this because it just seems so first nature, like it's always been there. But we kind of forget the origins of, you know, of D&D. We forget the origins of tabletop RPGs because even even if like most people's exposures to RPGs nowadays would probably be video games and those always have yeah. stories in some degree or another. And then when they go to D&D or like whatever system, well, who am I kidding? It's always going to be D&D that they start <laughs> with. Um, they, they That tends to be automatically thought of because they hear the word rpg and they automatically assume there always has to be a story involved and so uh, like i think maybe the hickman revolution did more than what you think with just tabletop it might have revolutionized even video games just due to the fact that like what's one of the first rpgs that you can really think of even when it comes to video games skyrim the the omnipresent skyrim (laughs) it's not it's not i mean i mean even back to your oh, generation, because Skyrim, you're yeah, Baldur's Gate, or you can even think of Morrowind. Yeah. You can think of all those ones, which really kind of create that were created in the aspects of pretty much these four rules. Because there's not, it's not going to be often where even in Baldur's Gate, you don't. There's not like that. There's no sense to a dungeon. There's usually some sense yeah. to a dungeon in Baldur's Gate. Now, I have a second one now because it's, yeah, go ahead. I, I made, uh, this is where I'm the outlier because I don't do video games a whole lot. And when you were asking, yeah. what video games do you think of as your point? And mine's not going to fly because I was thinking adventure from. Yeah, when you play the square. With a slash, walking around for your sword. And that entire no, but it did make no sense. sense. And the entire purpose was, no, you were walking around killing things yeah. to collect keys. You were killing monsters. That's a true statement. So it violated rule one. But was that really an RPG? That's what I'm saying. No. Yeah. 
But that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I uh, and I will tell you, this is the hill that I die on. Is it pisses me off that people refer to those as RPGs? Yeah, it's like no. I should not have to put TT in front of mine because no, I was I'm the tracking. original RPG. If it wasn't for D&D, <laughs> we wouldn't have a lot of the computer role-playing as we have anyway, uh, to be honest. you know. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Um, but they have influenced gaming. You're not wrong because now everyone some... expects, you know, Monty Hall campaign we used to make fun of back in the day, and then fucking Diablo happened. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, see, and, and I God love Monty you. Halls. I mean, I, I, I consider myself Monty Hall. Take yeah. the ring of wishes. All of you have them. <laughs> enjoy (laughs) but yeah like you look at the most even popular video games and you can usually find three at least three of them that three of these rules in every single game like by like um what's that game uh why am i spacing on bioshock bio god damn what a great bioshock thank you thank you yeah. I, oh my god! I was just listening it, to the one. the goddamn in in soliloquy by Andrew Ryan today, just because I love it so much. Uh, but yeah, like that one had a, a very elaborate story. It had architecture mm-hmm. that made sense. Uh, the you can even say with the shots where you know where you kill the little girls either to get the stuff or you save them. That was the play itself. Right. being put into the story and that was definitely more than just pillaging and, and killing you in know, there because yeah yeah exactly so all those rules you can see that within bioshock and you could probably see that in all the ones in that yeah, man. you know in that series and hell even you just said you you were playing yeah. uh tiny tina's game it violates maybe number uh, one <laughs> chance... <laughs> well yeah but even then but the... it's the the story itself though like Sure, yeah. there's a lot of pillaging and killing, but yes. even she created a story, even if it involves right. No, the story is so but, good. The ending well, is so good because there's there's endings upon endings. I don't want to spoil it for anyone. But yeah, you're yeah. Uh yeah. I gotta wait for it to get get off the epic store. It was so, so much fun. Oh, it was so much fun. I just what a good game. But yeah, you're not wrong. I mean it has all that. I, it's a looter shooter, but even then, yeah, you're still you're you're killing things to get through the dungeons. The dungeons all make sense. They have layouts and they have locked areas, which is a video game yeah. thing. You're not going to get away from that. Video game. But yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I would say I, I would say the Diablo series definitely doesn't follow the dungeons with some. But they have some cool stories in the Diablo series. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, if you're into like interplanar adventures or like fighting demons and devils from the the rule, the you know the uh, deities and demigods books or the monster manuals. Like Diablo is would be Diablo two had some of the most awesome freaking yeah like, cutscenes that told such yeah, a good story and like yeah a lot of those like they they did fully did take uh some you know leeway with the dungeons like, with some form God, of architectural sense but but to be honest I I, I played a lightning sorceress in D2 so but those I are a different level of game I don't even I, I, I'm with finder I don't think Diablo's a role playing game yeah, yeah. You know. no 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 I don't think so the thing laugh at Diablo is when we mm. had so much treasure though that we just go back to town right and yeah in the street. be like yeah. oh look the pores are looking at us <laughs> oh man but yeah I don't you know it just is what it is God, there's yeah. so much. But yeah, there are people who generally hate the Hickman Revolution. And 
I, they go out of their way to try to play a game that is antithetical to the Hickman Revolution, and it's just like, cool, what are you guys doing? Oh, man, so we were hired as caravan guards, right, because we're, we're kind of low level, and uh, we had to protect this merchant and the family. They're moving forward, and they're like, oh, really? So you're not just going from – Right. That got real loud. You have to cut that. Oh, no. It's like, so you're not just going from room to room murdering people. And, uh, you know, then what happened? Oh, we had to hole up in some ruins on the side of the road and we were attacked by bandits. Oh, so you had the, were the ruins just crazy laid out? No, 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 no. It was like these antechambers and we could hide out and there was this stone pillar. It's like, oh, it sounds like this dungeon made sense, didn't it? And then what happened? Oh, then we beat the bandits <laughs> back, and uh, you know we found out that the merchant is actually the one of the kids is actually a lost prince. And we're protecting the prince. And now we got was like, well, it sounds like you had an attainable and honorable end. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and, and the fact that some people are against this, like I, I don't know if they're against it just simply to be one of the the out crowd, the crowd that's not like you know. So it likes to be unique onto itself and everything like that. But this, uh, I can answer this for you a little bit. And this is something that, that came out from the DM layer uh, or from DM layer or whatever it's called. Anyway, he mentioned that where people think it was ruined is that people have interpreted number four to mean that their character yes. has to survive. And that means you now have these huge long campaigns and you have to get that character from the beginning of the campaign the end of the campaign yep. alive and if you don't then um then you've you've my phone is or whatever and to that end yeah well to that end though he also pointed out that D has progressively made it harder Facts. and harder to kill your characters yeah back in basic or ad and d1 uh character death was not something that was not uh hard super to easy i mean you could really yeah. kill characters yeah uh, when you're a wizard at level one, right if you're lucky, points, you rolled them, bitches. Um, I literally, yeah. It was, I, I literally had a wizard um, that as soon as we saw combat, he ran away and waited for the fighter and everybody else to take care of the threat. And then I'd come back and try and heal anybody. And, and, you know, I know there are, and there are people who are like, well, it doesn't sound fun. Like, you know, rolling straight down the line and seeing what, what, fate gives you for a character instead of forging a character that you want and i'll tell you you gotta try it and it, it's gonna be brutal at first but when you realize that playing with severe limitations like you said it makes you rethink and reevaluate how you play a game and that will get you more invested in not being a murder hobo it will get you more invested in figuring out the intrigue and following the story to further your plots and it will help you when you want to explore dungeons and make them make sense of what's happening in the world around you because they're tied in some way, uh, even when ones you found. And then, you know, within a couple of sessions, you're probably going to have achieved some cool deeds and or you may be the one hit point wizard who burnt their magic missile out and, you know, you got taken out by a goblin hatchet to the back. But that's okay because you're also going to have retainers mm -hmm. and your friends are going to memorialize you and the town will will mourn you and remember you because you were one of the few and the brave willing to go forth. You know, literally the hashtag send me is experienced by these adventures. And yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and even to go on that, I think the old verbiage like no risk, no reward, that's kind of 
I, I feel like that's something that's lost on the whole, you know, the modern kind of like tabletop where, although now you see resurgence yeah. with a lot of systems being yeah. kind of that ultra hardcore, but like with D and D and all that, you don't really care about, like you care about the whole situation, everything like that. But at the end, you're willing to just throw yourself in because you know, there's a good chance you're just going to come yeah. out completely clean. Because of course you are, because there's so many of these mechanics that are built to not have your character die. So although you could say, well, I really care about my character. I really care what happens to him at the end of the day. You don't give a shit because there's no risk involved. So the reward of your character surviving is not going to be fulfilled. Like you're just going to assume they survive. And it's almost become now powdered and just become like you're you're pretty much like a knight in, in pillows nowadays because... Oh, what's going to happen? Well, I got the pillows to cover my fall. There's almost no chance of my character dying on this adventure or dying on that adventure or dying on that adventure. It's like, it's not necessarily like even with God, like, let's say you're fighting a horde of goblins and all of a sudden your character is down on the count. Do you think those goblins who are going to go and attack someone else when they're dealing with other goblins? No, chances are they're going to keep on hitting you while you're down they're not going to move over to someone else just because they're like oh he's down no they yeah. they, they want to kill you they're going to finish yeah. the job before moving on but unfortunately like i said it's it's just yeah. you're, you're a bunch of pillow knights you're just yeah. do we play fighting i don't pillows. think we played D fifth edition with you i don't think i played with you guys but I, the last group i played with yeah that nope that was what i was saying because you know part of the same revolution is basically this is all shit has to make sense is my is my elevator pitch for the hickman revolution yeah. <laughs> shit has to make sense for why you're doing what you're doing and like yeah uh, my character is down to you know zero hit points i'm on my first death save cool story they stab you in the face you're dead well it's not fair uh okay uh, well that's not how combat works <laughs> so <laughs> so bad yeah. for you <laughs> so are you saying if like and then you could say in the same breath it's like so are you saying if he was down to nearly dead would you just leave him there and go and kill someone else while the right. the other guy yeah. is still sort of alive they'd be like no i would kill him first right. exactly, exactly <laughs> my point yeah, just exactly. right there but like, they're not dumb animals you know even animals will still bite you and you should fuck you up a german shepherd is likely to eat your devour its owner upon death <laughs> <laughs> oh and it's the same thing yeah. with cats it's like they may wait a little bit but once they realize that you're the only source you're of food the they're going to eat you yeah exactly yeah. you become the source of food like they're going to eat to survive it's just like um no, I'm, tra- I'm tracking um, so on the- what? no 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 I was, I was just like i was just thinking to myself i'm like ah because i was going to say like, uh, during world war ii in russia in russia where people are like well we we don't have yep. any food we need to eat so although it's not talked about they kind of they did yep. what they needed Hell, they, to they, do they, they wallpaper at one only... point in stalingrad you know yeah and as a person right now being who you are you would say i would never resort to cannibalism but i'm pretty sure those guys on the plane on that plane when it cra- crashed out in the andes they said the same thing before that too but yeah. when you are desperate instincts come up and you will say i did what yep, i needed the, to do to the survive. greatest line that has that. ever been written by uh uh oh god joss whedon was in uh in a uh, firefly and i use it in professional uh discourse with folks you know and it's when mal had been uh 
taken prisoner by that uh, sociopath. And, you know, the guy was a villain and he was, he told Mal and he's like, you never truly meet a man until you hold him over the edge of a volcano. And it's absolutely true. You don't know who a person really is until they're in the most dire circumstances. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Like, um, uh, I've had a gun pointed to my face, right? Never knew how I would actually re- react to that. How I reacted. I was surprised because afterwards I thought to myself, I honestly thought I would be, I thought I would just break down yeah. pretty much instantly. And the fact that I actually stayed calm during at, at that moment afterwards. Yeah. You got to admit I had a of little course. breakdown, but during that moment I stayed calm and I was actually surprised at how calm I was. Yeah, no, that's good. Your body managed to reroute all that adrenaline and it's just kind of those things. So yeah, but I don't know. Yeah. I know we, we always do that. I hope everyone enjoys the, the post-topic rambling, but no, honestly, I don't know. It's, I think it all ties <laughs> in I mean, if you're doing this, cause everyone does this for a reason. Um, you know, we talked about it before, but I don't know. Do you, do either of you guys think the Hickman revolution has, I, well, we were talking about it. I think we're all in agreement that it's always been this way. People may have missed it. And I think it's, I don't know. Maybe it did. Has it harmed the hobby? There's a, I wouldn't say that it's harmed the hobby. It may yeah. have harmed D and D because, like I said, D and D has progressively made it made it easier to uh, or harder to kill the characters. But um, I think the the hobby is richer for it because you look at all the different types of games that we have now that do profess to be narrative driven and things of that sort. So it's like I, I think it overall has been good for the hobby. I think it's been good for the hobby. I think it's just when people, um, they, they look at the words differently than what, well, what, how we at least interpret it. And it's just, that's just it. It's all up to interpretation. There's a lot of works that have gone to shit just due to the fact that people have interpreted it in the incorrect way. I think that's on purpose um, for a few things. I think people are come into it with an antagonistic read. Yeah, there are people who hate Tracy Hickman's guts, him and Margaret Weiss. Uh, and those people are on a broad spectrum of the political realms for various reasons. I mean, it's, it's no secret Hickman and uh, Weiss are both uh, Mormon, which is why Crin and Dragonlance is written the way it is. You know, it's it's a very, very close Mormon parable. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Although I, I, I don't know much about yeah. it. So you got the people who hate him for that. Well. Yeah, I, I knew Hickman. I didn't. I didn't know. Hit, yeah, I didn't yeah. know. She's also LDS. She may not. They may be practicing now, but yeah, I know at the time of the Dragonlance stuff, they were both practicing LDS. And yeah, so you got people who dislike him for that. You got people who dislike him for the, you know, the you put. St- I don't want a story of a vampire killing. I just want to kill a vampire. So I was like, okay, <laughs> no, you don't, or you wouldn't know the you wouldn't know the fucking book Dracula existed. You know, like I said, all all the all the people who are aggressively against this also are aggressively pro like Appendix N, and you got to read your source material and you got to read your histories. Like, why? What's in those books? Well, it's stories of adventures. Like, yeah, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> Even the stories you're trying to recreate yeah. when you sit at the table and you make your you're totally not Conan. <laughs> it's all good. You see their own man, but yeah, I agree with you guys. I think it's done. Uh, I think it's done wonders. I do think it harmed D and D. 
Um, but I also blame video games on harming D&D because, like you said, no one wants to see their character die. Um, and that's, I mean, yeah. still, look at that. You There's a whole shit now of, like, that's part of safety tools of the table and getting permission to kill someone's character. Like, you fuck right off with that. You make you make bad choices. I'm gonna but straight murder same- your character at the table. I will tell anyone listen if you play with me, your shit will die. You can ask these two. <laughs> but at the, yeah, oh, God, I know. Um, because uh, on the last episode, uh, Scott, you weren't here, and me and Finder were talking. I actually said that before this year, 2022, I've had one character die, <laughs> and now. This year alone, in 2022, I've had four. Did, you, did they get consent to kill your character? <laughs> they no. did, because the guy said that. That's what happened. There's your consent for killing your character. Well, no, because I play, I because I'm playing with Finder. You will get your character <laughs> killed every single time. All right. All right. Well, one last thing. One last thing. Finder, so what do we learn today? We learned that Santa has really poor judgment in the people that he trusts uh, with with zero reservations. <laughs> You're talking about at the table. No, I mean, like he was looking to us as his sage advice or, or guidance in this particular topic at the beginning. Don't know if you changed your opinion, but you did say, I was going to trust you guys. Like, okay. No, and I, 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 it was it was well-deserved because this it, it's interesting to see a point of view that you may not be aware of. And it's something that I think everyone should do is whether or not, like, I think, I think learning someone's opinion, whether you kind of understand it or not, is pretty important. And me hearing about the Rick Hickman revolution, even reading the question, the statements that Scott sent us, like sent me ahead of times. I thought to myself, it's like, yeah, this just seems like common knowledge, but it's only common knowledge because someone actually originally had to figure out this shit out. Yep. So, I think we all learned something. Yeah. Knowing half the Maybe about ourselves. I can't do that theme because uh, oh, we might get copyright strike. Fair use. You were using a small enough clip and yeah. you were actually singing it yourself. So, you were yeah, using that, copyrighted material. That doesn't yeah. stop. Who Hasbro? All right. Hasbro still, right? I don't know uh, who made the movies, dude. If if you get if you get uh, a cease and desist for that, yeah. that's street cred. And you just do what I do, and not fair enough. GI Joe. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, folks, I think that's all the time we have for today. If you have any tidbits on running a campaign that. Uh, you know, send us an email at rpsmartpeople at gmail.com. And if you hated this episode and think we're complete and utter garbage, please send me uh, a message on Twitter at rpsmartpeople. Uh, we're still just a tiny channel, so, you know, tell your friends, tell your family, tell anyone who likes RPGs, because maybe they'll like it too. Thank you very much. And see oh, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. Wow. Also, don't forget to like that one episode where uh, Santa agreed to do a golem voice. Oh, no. Um, he didn't give a timeline. He just wants ten likes. He didn't give a time frame. So if you haven't liked that episode oh, man. yet, I have go to like, go like this episode now. I forgot about that. It's not. It's not. Be. It's not even out yet. Well, I guess but it'll be out there, after this one. Be. So nice. right now, are you in semantics? Uh, <laughs> so yeah, don't like that episode. See you guys later. Bye.